Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. Coming up on the program here today, we will be joined by Bob Vanderplatz at the bottom of this hour, bottom of next hour. Jason Johnson from the DeSantis campaign will be joining us. Uh, We will get to Ask Me Anything coming up at the top of next hour. Of course, I've not seen these questions. Todd, you have selected them. So I trust that there are some sufficiently uh, challenging and snotty ones included. We're good. Good sample of those this week. All right. Thank you to our Facebook followers for supplying those. We will get to those and we'll get started with uh, all of that and more here in a moment. But as always, per tradition, whenever we've got a new partner here on the program, we like to give them top billing and welcome them right off the outset. That's our friends over at Collective. You know, freelance work right now is booming. So many people are taking the leap and starting their own business, trying to be independent of corporate America. But how do you maximize your earnings, minimize your taxes and make sure you're legally compliant. It can all be overwhelming and confusing. That's why you want to talk to the experts at collective.com. It was built specifically for businesses of one that are making over 60000 in profit a year. Collective handles all of your back office work so you can focus on your passion, not your paperwork. All right. Collective is the all-in-one financial solution for the business of one. They'll handle business formation and compliance, taxes, bookkeeping, accounting, even payroll. Plus, if you're already an LLC, Collective can retroactively elect your S-Corp tax status back to July 1, which could save you thousands on 2023 taxes. In fact... Collective members save on average $10,000 per year in taxes with this structure and a collective membership. It pays for itself within just a few months, and it's also 100% tax deductible. So check out collective.com slash Steve before October 31st to potentially save thousands of dollars on your 2023 taxes. And to sweeten the deal, they'll also throw in an extra $100 off when you use my link. But you've got to do it before Halloween. All right, that's collective.com slash Steve. Collective.com slash Steve, where they want you to focus on your passion, not your paperwork. And with that, let us begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Making Abortion Great Again. Donald Trump was interviewed by Meet the Press and says he's ready and willing to compromise on baby killing. Mr. President, I want to give voters who are going to be weighing in on this election yeah. a very clear sense of where I think you stand I on think this. they're all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me what, but what's let Mr. going President, to have to Mr. happen President, is you're going to have to... This question, Kristen, please. you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time. If a federal ban landed on your desk if you were reelected. would you sign it at 15 are you talking about a complete ban a ban at 15 weeks well people people are starting to think of 15 weeks that seems to be a number that people are talking about right now would you sign that Uh, uh, i would i would sit down with both sides and i'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace on that issue for the first time in 52 years Uh, i'm not going to say i would or i wouldn't i mean DeSantis is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban would you support that you think that i think what he did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake yikes Also over the weekend, Trump was at the FRC Action Conference where he confused Obama and Biden and Obama and Clinton. The radical left thugs who 
have weaponized law enforcement to arrest their leading political opponent, and leading by a lot, including Obama. I'll tell you what, you take a look at Obama and take a look at some of the things that he's done. This is the same thing. The country is very divided. And we did with Obama. We won an election that everyone said couldn't be won. So just to recap the past week, Donald Trump says he doesn't know if a man can become a woman. Can a man become a woman? Um... <laughs> Says he doesn't know who gave Dr. Fauci the presidential commendation while he was president. Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. Said he doesn't get enough credit for COVID. I never got, I think, the credit that I deserve on COVID. And confused Obama for multiple Democrats, as we just heard. Oh, and also said Biden is going to get us into World War II. We have a man who is totally corrupt and the worst president in the history of our country, who is cognitively impaired in no condition to leave, and is now in charge of dealing with Russia and possible nuclear war. Just think of it. We would be in World War II very quickly. After the disastrous past week for the Trump campaign, Team Trump is doing damage control. See for yourself. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis was at that same FRC action event and talked about how his faith guides him. As I've traveled across not only just Florida but across the country, I'm sometimes asked about uh, the role that faith plays in my leadership as governor. And, um, you know, I can only tell you from me and what it's like uh, being in a, in a high office, um, I don't know how you could be a leader without having faith in God. When you stand up for what's right in this day and age, that is not going to be cost free. You are going to face blowback, you're going to face attacks, you're going to face smears, and it's the faith in God that gives you the strength to stand firm against the lies, against the deceit, against the opposition. Uh, it gives you the foundation to know that all the insults, all the nonsense they throw at you ultimately doesn't matter because you are aiming higher. Some people ask me, how do you become a good leader? Well, one of the first things you need to do is put on the full armor of God. Moving on, the GOP-controlled Texas Senate acquitted Attorney General Ken Paxton on all articles of impeachment on Saturday afternoon. The suspended Attorney General Ken now returned to office. The jury of 30 senators began deliberating on Friday, spending more than nine hours behind closed doors. A two-thirds majority of the 30-senator jury, 21 senators, was required to convict Paxton. Only two of the 19 Republican senators voted in favor of convicting on any article. In late May, the Texas House of Representatives voted to adopt articles of impeachment against the Republican Attorney General. The articles of impeachment levied against Paxton accused the Texas Attorney General of constitutional bribery, disregard of official duty, abuse of office, conspiracy, and misapplication of public resources. This all happened, by the way, after Attorney General Paxton accused Texas House Speaker Dade Phelan of presiding over the people's business while drunk. The amendment is acceptable to the author. Is there objection to the opposite amendment? 
the members adopted. An armed man was arrested by police at an event attended by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. The Los Angeles Police Department told the Epic Times it received a call around 4.30 p.m. on Friday reporting that a male was in front of the event venue with a badge on their lapel, a gun, and a shoulder holster and claimed to be a U.S. Marshal. Kennedy Jr. had not arrived at the venue yet when the incident occurred. According to the LAPD, the man reportedly claimed to be employed for the event but wasn't recognized by the security staff. RFK Jr.'s repeated pleas for Secret Service protection, as you know, have not been granted by the federal government. Video obtained by Fox News out of Zatecas in central Mexico shows illegals heading for the United States southern border by the trainload. For those of you listening, there's literally a freight train filled with illegals heading north. Cars upon cars upon freight train cars teeming with illegals. And finally, something that doesn't suck. Hats off to the estimated nearly 400 students at the Perkiamen Valley High School in Collegeville, Pennsylvania, who walked out of their classes after learning their school board had enacted a bathroom policy which allows boys into girls' bathrooms and vice versa. For those of you listening, the students during the walkout on Friday carried signs saying, respect girls' rights, stay in your bathroom, amongst other messages. Again, this happened in Pennsylvania in the outskirts of Philadelphia. Again, hats off to those high schoolers. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Jace Medical. You'll remember they came on board last year with the Jace case after they saw what had occurred with uh, hypermectin, hydroxychloroquine, venerable Nobel Prize winning drugs that were suddenly labeled dangerous and unusable right when perhaps we may have needed them the most. So they wanted to come up with uh, the Jace case of some other venerable medications, uh, amoxicillin, doxycycline, for example, just in case those might one day also, when we need them the most, be deemed dangerous. Well, now they're going next level with your medications. They want to make sure you've got a backup in case your medications become the next to be deemed. Well, we've got to make money on an experimental um, test subject, you. And so what you were taking before now, suddenly you can't. Make sure you're backed up right now with that peace of mind. It can be anything from cholesterol to diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, and more. When you go to jacemedical.com, J as in jump at this now, A-S-E, J-S-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Use the code DACE at checkout for the discount. Discount code DACE at checkout at jacemedical.com. All right, coming up in the overtime today, I had a chance over the weekend to speak at a uh, Iowa Liberty Network function about the path to victory in America's so-called culture war. And I want to share just some of the bullet points of that message with you guys. And then I'll let Todd and Aaron, you two, I'll let you react. We'll do that in the overtime today. For Blaze TV subscribers, you can go to blazetv.com slash dace. Again, that's blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber for just 10 bucks a month to make sure you don't ever miss any of our content and at a discount at blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let's... Let's get to what's in Aaron's montage. And, and really, there's, there's, not surprisingly, one issue I would like to focus on. There is nothing new under the sun. There's just new people under the sun who haven't heard it yet. I said for years, Donald Trump didn't change America's political paradigm. It's the same paradigm. The cake is baked the same way. The frosting is just zanier. And this whole conversation with abortion just is the final, ultimate, concrete, hundred proof proof of this. If we just replace Donald Trump's name with Mitt Romney, John McCain, 
and and claimed the year was 2007, 2008, 2011, 2012, those presidential cycles, we'd be having all the same conversations with all the same talking points, with one exception. Roe was actually overturned. Well, Steve, you're the guy that wants to give Trump credit for overturning it. I, I am willing to give him the credit that he deserves. I think you have to ask yourself now whether he wants it. Here's a question. I saw this on Twitter today, and I don't know that I want to know the answer because I think it would probably crush me. If someone were to ask Donald Trump, would, would you trade overturning Roe for still being president today? What do you think his answer would be? So, so here's the thing. Roe was only overturned because of the very heartbeat bills that Trump criticized as, quote, terrible. Those are his words. It is one thing to have a conversation about the political wariness of the abortion issue, given where the public is at right now. It is one thing to have that. I mean, we had that very conversation a, a week ago on this show that the battle right now is at the state level because that's where the enemy is attacking us and we have to defend ourselves against enemy attacks. We can't just let them roll into Michigan, roll into Ohio and claim these states and plant the flag and, and actually make things worse than they were before Roe was overturned, right? We had that very conversation. Yes, I think we can absolutely have a conversation about the wariness of some level of pro-life policy in the current environment. There's nothing wrong with that, even with higher moral principles. Jesus, Jesus at some point says, at some points says to his followers after he performs miracles, keep it quiet. Now's not the time to reveal this. The time is not right for me to reveal who I really am. Wise as a serpent, innocent as a dove. Since there's no chance of passing any national legislation at this point in time, given how many squishes we have in, in the Congress, the Democrats control the Senate, and we have the uh, devoted Catholic in, in the White House who's fine with killing them all, there's really not much of a chance of that kind of legislation passing anyway. So if someone wants to say there's no point in this discussion, given those political realities and the battle is at the state level, would we even be having this conversation right now if Trump had said that? Mm -hmm. No. Because, but he didn't say that, did he? No, because that would require like some level of critical thinking. Instead, the only thing that Trump is critical of is whatever is against him or he perceives to be. No matter what side it's on, no matter who it is. I mean, if you're Mike DeWine right now, the one right thing you did as Ohio governor was a heartbeat bill. I mean, you've been willing to carry all kinds of water for Trump. You probably feel pretty thrown, thrown under the bus about right now. But what are the states that primarily have led on the heartbeat stuff? Iowa. Georgia was the first, actually. And lo and behold, now Florida is the most recent one. Do those three states have anything in common? Can you guys think of anything? They're blue states, right? Yeah, they're all blue states. They're, they're <laughs> states with Republican governors that Trump is currently on some form of the outs with. You have to understand that is Donald Trump's only plumb line. You know, a tree by his fruit. There is nothing other than ego. There's nothing other than that. Nothing. Everything the man does, at least in his public life, is strictly about ego. That is the prime directive. So if he was legitimately concerned about laying groundwork for a general election, 
And what is the point of expending a bunch of political capital here in September of 2023 over national legislation that between now and the next election has no chance to pass whatsoever? He would express that point thoroughly, legitimately, critically. Instead, you, that's just terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible to save those kids. It's terrible. The very legislation that gave him the chance at arguably the crowning achievement of his entire presidency, he labels as terrible. See, there's three possibilities here, and there's only three. One, he's just getting really stupid advice, but then he's not a victim because ultimately it, when you was it was trump advice interviewed by me to meet the press on sunday is that who was this is this is trump's advice trump's advice is, is who they interviewed no they interviewed trump right so i'm not into the whole candidate i don't care desantis trump your mom i don't care who it is i mean i no one's no one's advisors are getting interviewed no one's advisors are on, in front of the camera it's the candidate so the candidate says those things number two he himself has just Colossal, it's just colossally stupid about abortion politics. And given who he was prior to 2015, Planned Parenthood donor, lived in Northeastern, uh, the bluest part of the country, hung out with tons of Hollywood stars, very sexually promiscuous, that's entirely possible. Number two is. Number three, it's what he sincerely believes. And when I mean sincerely believes, it's what he sincerely believes for his ego to get what it seeks. Because that's the core of Donald Trump. But the reality is, as immoral and godless as this message from the president is, on top of, I don't know what a woman is. That's that, yeah, I mean, but hey guys, that was a 10 out of 10 interview. If you're hell, if you're hell, you love that. You gave it a 10 out of 10. That's evangelical America's champion. What's a woman? <sighs> I don't know, man. That's... <sighs> And heartbeat builds that overturn row. Terrible. Hell agrees. Hell could have written that script. But let's set aside the morality of this for a second. Politically, this is just mind-numbingly stupid. There, there is no moderate abortion voter. Oh, there's moderates that have abortion opinions. But again, it, it's, not a, it's not what your opinion of an issue is. It's whether that issue drives you to the polls. There, the, 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 there are more people that care about global warming than don't. There are. There just aren't enough of those people that it drives them to the polls to get the policies they want. There are more people that care about gun control than the Second Amendment. But if you are a person who is voting on guns, you are overwhelmingly a Second Amendment enthusiast. Do you guys understand the distinction I'm trying to draw? Sure. There's, there's issues that you have opinions on, and then there are issues that drive you to vote on. Abortion as a vote driver. And hey, what do I know? I've only been involved in pro-life politics organization 17 years and, and was a senior advisor to a presidential campaign. So I don't, what do I know about the whole thing other than a lot? So let me embark it up and let me let me impart some of it to you. If you're voting on abortion, you are at one of two extremes. You're Steve Dace or you're Planned Parenthood. There's there's lots of opinions in the middle. I mean, should we have exceptions here? Should we, you know, ban it after the first trimester? Lots of people. There's lots of opinions in the middle. But if you have one of those opinions in the middle, it's not an issue that drives you to the polls. When you go to vote, you aren't thinking about abortion. 
When If you are thinking about abortion when you go to vote, you are either Planned Parenthood or you're Steve Dace. You're either very pro-death or you're very pro-life. There is no suburban women who, woman who did not vote for Trump three times or the, his party the last three elections who is now suddenly like, you know what? The fact that he overturned Roe versus Wade, I'm going to totally overlook that because of this nuanced position he still hasn't figured out. No, that voter doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It does not exist. If you're voting on abortion, you're at one of the two extremes. You're very pro-death or you're very pro-life. Everybody else has an opinion on what has been the, the, the driving force of the culture war for 50 years. But it's not an opinion that drives them to vote. If you're voting on abortion, you're either a Planned Parenthood donor or would love or user, or you would like to put Planned Parenthood out of business and maybe in a gulag. That's who votes on abortion. The people that came out to vote in the midterm elections were single women. They're already Democrat voters. Republicans have not won single women in any of the nine realms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not even in 1984. That's a Democrat voting block. Single women to the Democrats are like white evangelicals to Republicans. They're always going to get a massive vote. It's just a matter of how massive is that vote. This strategy won't work, assuming it is one. There is no voter for this. This is, the, this is the equivalent of the GOP consultants a decade ago saying, you know, I really think voters want Sodom and Gomorrah, but uh, 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 low taxes. No, they don't, actually. It's the, that voter doesn't exist. How many elections do Republicans win with that strategy? It's a low number. Give it a shot. What do you think it was? Zero is the number. The voter he's trying to reach does not exist. There is no voter who's on the fence about Trump but since he doesn't know what his current abortion position is, is suddenly jumping off the fence. Wrong. Everybody voting on abortion either thinks Trump is a hero for overturning Roe or a villain for taking away their quote-unquote right. And there is no in-between. Anybody telling you otherwise has never worked on a campaign, has never canvassed for a campaign, has never read a single exit poll in their damn lives. It's a lie. It's not true. So even setting aside the godless immorality of all of this, politically, it is stupid. This doesn't, has no chance to work. And if you hop on Twitter today, what you'll see is a lot more pro-lifers angry at Trump than pro-choicers that are like, wow, thank you. I mean, I've got a newfound respect for, no, 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 no. Trump, Trump could sacrifice a baby to Molech as the, as the Republican nominee next year. And every Planned Parenthood ad will say, this is the most anti-woman candidate the Republicans have ever had, and he overturned Roe versus Wade. I promise you, and that's not even an exaggeration, that's not even an embellishment to make a broader point. It is a point. So it's not only immoral and godless, it's dumb. It's cosmically dumb. In 2012, Mitt Romney ran pro-choice television ads in five states, including Iowa. He lost all five. He lost all five. Nothing's changed. Trump has changed nothing. 
I did this show before. The names were Mitt Romney, John McCain, Reince Priebus, Autopsy Report. I did this show before. People wondering why aren't more national pro-life leaders speaking out? Any of this sound familiar? Aaron, you grew up listening to this show. Have you heard oh, this yeah. show before? Yeah. Nothing's changed. He's changed nothing. Except himself. He used to only attack Republicans from the right. That was 2016 Trump. Now he only attacks from the left. 2016 Trump said, I will appoint the justices that will overturn Roe. 2024 Trump says, heartbeat bills that overturn Roe are a terrible thing. And ultimately what you're watching take place. See now, see we're having the primary I always wanted to have now. Now we're now everybody's had every, everybody's being forced to go on the record. I got to tell you, there's a lot of people in this industry that don't want to be forced to go on the record. Everybody now has to go on the record now. Everybody's got to speak up or not. And by not doing so, they've spoken. See, I don't I, I don't care what the outcome of this primary is. I don't. Sure, I'd prefer DeSantis to win. I think he'd be better. But in the end, if, if he doesn't win because the truth came out and we all got exposed as idolaters, I'm totally okay with that. If, in fact, we're idolaters, I'm okay. And then, hey, the Lord give it, the Lord take it the way. I, I love the justice of God every bit as much as the mercy. In fact, it's actually the mercy I struggle with more. Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a mighty stream. Let it flow. It's the mercy that I struggled with. Which brings me to a broader point. This culture is doomed. It's already gone. It's not, wow, if we do, no, we're doing those things, and so it's gone. It's a gone, it's a dead culture. That's why it's revival or bust. It's, a, it's fully a post-Christian America now. And so let me, let me tell you what you're already experiencing, and you're going to experience it more. The godless right will eventually hate you more than the godless left. For the same reasons I used to say the only party that hates us more than the Democrats are the Republicans. Because the Republicans would just love to rape, pillage, and plunder the treasury just like the Democrats, but for their special interests. But they have to pretend to like us, and so it's personal to them. The Democrats, it's just, it ain't personal, it's business. I hate your God, I hate your worldview, so you gotta go. We're, it's just a means to an end. For the right, it's personal. We're, see, we're supposed to justify them in their sin. We're supposed to look the other way. Just like the Sanhedrin, just like the Pharisees. What do you mean you're judging us like the Sadducees? We, we kept tradition. We kept the law. We're better. We're more moral. The people of Jeremiah's time, what do you mean God's going to judge us? We're wearing our Make Israel Great Again. I've, I've, got that, I've, got that, I've got that bumper sticker right on the back of my uh, wagon over here with my donkey plowing my row. What do you mean God's going to judge us? The great test for us will be, will we water down the word of God to appeal to political idolatry? Or will we risk alienation from some of our own friends and family by refusing that? and calling everybody to repentance, no matter what team they're on. 
we're heading to a showdown here. French revolutionist versus Bolshevik revolutionists. Let me tell you what happens to the church at the end of each story, do you know? At the end of each story, the church ends up persecuted, executed. That's how each story ends, correct? Yes. At the end of each of those revolutions, the church ends up persecuted and executed in each of them, for different reasons, of course. But the end result is just the same. And that will be the challenge if you call yourself a Christian. That will be the challenge of this era. Let me also tell you, I've, I've had far more problems with trying to get canceled from the godless right in my career. I mean, my first job in this business, News Radio 1040 WHO. The biggest donor on the godless right in Iowa told the radio station, hey, I'll pull all my funding. It was well into the high six figures. I'll pull all my funding from the radio station unless you fire days. Well, I was making the radio station into the seven figures, so they kept me. But he tried. There's a reason it's called a narrow road. On that narrow road, reasonable people can disagree. Reasonable people can disagree about strategy, about methodology, about timing. But that's not the argument we're having here. Donald Trump is defecating on righteous things. Things that led to his most righteous accomplishment as president. That is of the, of the wider road, which leads to destruction. Back here on the Steve Day Show. Seems like a good time to remind you about our friends over at Preborn. Because for my money, and it literally is my money. I mean, I've donated to this ministry out of my own pocket. Uh, for my money, they have nailed that whole truth and grace thing. Um, they, they confront moms in crisis like my mom was, pregnant at 14. Right? T- uh, chances are, if you're a woman in a stable relationship and you're secure in that relationship, you're probably not thinking about an abortion. In fact, it's probably 99% chances you're not. And there's 99% chances if you are a, a woman thinking of abortions because you're not in that kind of a relationship. And those women are the ones that are just like, I can't do this alone. And I'm lost and I'm alone. And they need to be reached with the knowledge that they're not alone. They, first of all, that's another human being that they are carrying with its own DNA, its own heartbeat. They hear that with an ultrasound. Costs just 28 bucks to fund one of those. And over the years, 80% of the time when a woman hears that ultrasound, she doesn't go through with carrying her kid or killing her kid. Would you spend 28 bucks on 80% odds that you'd save a life with that? I think a lot of you in this audience would. But then they understand, though, that that's not the end of the story. They need to love them both. This is still not an easy thing being a single mom by any stretch. And so they are there, prenatal care, postnatal care, even counseling, stuff as practical as car seats, all of it free of charge, provided they continue to have the, the, the funding from tax-deductible donations from people like us. So if you want to make one of those, and I can't give an organization any better props than I've written them a check out of my own pocket. 
Preborn.com slash Steve is where you want to go. Preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Or you can dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby on your mobile phone. Let's bring in our good friend Bob Vanderplotz from The Family Leader. And I had, you know, it, it feels to me, Bob, like I have done this show before. It's just the names were John McCain, Mitt Romney. Going to etch a sketch my life position. Um, uh, you know, so I'm not going to know what a woman is when Megyn Kelly, Megyn Kelly asks me. I'm not going to know how to answer that question. Um, it, it's one thing, because I know you and a lot of your colleagues at some of the highest levels in, in the pro-life leadership right now are having a lot of very blunt conversations on strategy and how to proceed in a post-row world. It, it, it's not that he just simply exhibited political wariness. It, if the president had said, listen, I think right now there's no chance of any form of a national abortion ban passing anyway. And so the battle post row is at the state level. And that's where the battle is. Like if he had said those comments, I don't know that we'd be having any conversations about this today. But he took the very legislation, the heartbeat bills that led to and set and set the stage for probably the crowning achievement of his presidency from a from our belief systems perspective, the overturning of Roe. And he just he just spit on him. He just defecated on him. He said they were actually terrible. So I, I just want to get your immediate reaction to that. Well, the immediate reaction is that the, the first one, if he would have done that, said, listen, the debate's going to be at the state level. They should be thanking me for the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Right now, there is not any way we're going to succeed nationally, so keep it at the state level. I think you're right, Steve. We probably wouldn't have been talking about it because that would have been on strategy. But now we're talking about the heart issue. And the heart issue is when he's saying things like, let's make a deal. Both sides are going to be happy. Both sides are going to be happy. I'm just telling you, if he comes back and tells our side, listen, we made a deal and it's 22 weeks. That's when the Democrats say we can kill a baby up to 22 weeks, but that's it. Our side is not going to be happy. And then when he comes out and he says about the heartbeat bill with Ron DeSantis, that was way too harsh. I think the word he used was awful. That was Kim Reynolds as well in the state of Iowa. Steve, you're right. That was Mississippi, which led to the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And so for those type of things, what you saw was revealing the heart. And Steve, you'll recall this back in 2012, you and I had this conversation. We thought at some point Mitt Romney made a con conscious decision. I want to win this race without them. Without my base. Without the base. So I, I don't So I don't owe them anything. I, I, I said that at the time. Especially yeah. the social conservatives. Even, even down to not even eating the Chick-fil-A Chick chicken sandwich, sandwich, remember. Yeah. So after the North Carolina victory, where they affirm marriage between one man and one woman, Obama goes into North Carolina and says, okay, I've changed my mind. The Bible is now changed. What I said at Rick Warren's church at Salback, it's different now. I believe that two guys and two girls can get married. I'm all in for, quote, unquote, marriage equality. Mitt Romney was silent. He wouldn't support Chick-fil-A. He wouldn't go to North Carolina. He wouldn't comment on North Carolina's great win. All that. And we made the conclusion then he wants to win without these things, these radical social conservatives, evangelicals. What I saw in Trump, especially in the interview of Meet the Press about let's make a deal. Both sides are going to be happy. Some say this, some say that. Listen, I'm going to bring peace to Israel and Palestine and, you know, the pro-life and pro-choice movement. I saw that as a... I'm going to win this thing without those guys. And you know what? Even after I say this to them, which he did at the Pray Vote Stand Summit in Washington, D.C., he got 67% of the straw poll vote. 
So I think he really believes right now, listen, I don't have to agree with any of that stuff anymore. I never did believe it. My interview back in 1994 when I was more pro-choice than anybody else, I'm still there. I just happened to make a deal on getting these guys three justices so I could get their vote in the general election so I could beat Hillary Clinton. And I followed through because I made the deal. So there's one thing we can congratulate him on is he made the deal and he stuck to his word on three justices. But now he's showing his true colors on the life issue. And I'm telling you, if he wins this primary by taking this position, then I'm not so sure where this party is at anymore. That is a key issue uh, to, to the, the base that's going to elect the next nominee in the primary cycle. But forget about the party. What do you think it says about the church? It says a lot about the church. What do you think it says about the church that we got a, quote, devout Catholic who is for killing every kid, um, mutilating every kid, but they can get their, you know, um, uh, grubby, scaly skinned fingers on. And then, but still offer him communion at yep, church. Yep. And then that, Joe that, Biden. And then that's followed up with the uh, the, the candidate of uh, evangelicalism, who says, "I don't know what a woman is, and I think uh, you know, uh, saving babies with a heartbeat is uh, is a quote terrible thing." What do you think? What do you think that says about the church? Let me just stop there. What do you think that says? I think it says a couple things. One is um, we just talked about this in our team meeting. As a culture, as a society, where we are biblically illiterate. Our faith, our trust isn't in God. It's in a personality. And that's what we're seeing is that we're seeing this almost blind loyalty to a personality versus saying, wait a minute, call balls and strikes. You can cheer him on when he does things like the Abraham Accords. You can cheer him on when he appoints three Supreme Court justices. Do that. But you have to be a voice of accountability as well. And I happen to believe, Steve, is because we as the church, and I say we here intentionally, we have chosen to be silent way too often instead of saying, you know what? That's wrong. That's out of bounds. That's against God's word. I can't believe. I mean, when, when I saw Penny Nance at the Concerned Women of America saying, listen, I'm not electing a pastor. And I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, when did we stop calling these guys ministers of God? If this is God's institution, government, they're, they're a minister of God. You're saying, I, I, I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. I'm like... Yes, you do. It's for the pursuit of righteousness and justice. It's the purpose of government. And you want a minister of God who's strong, bold, and courageous, but also is a statesman that people can look up to. I'm just saying we have caved so much because we believe this is how we win. And in this case today, I'm having a hard time believing this is how you win. I think we get crushed this way. I think we will get crushed in 2024. And if you talk about what you do, this is the most important election of our lifetime. I talk about that all the time as well. If this is the most important election of our lifetime, this is how we get crushed. And you lose to Joe Biden or Kamala or Michelle or Newsom or whoever they put up. It could be the most important election of our lifetime, meaning that just maybe not in the context that I have been stating it up until this point. Sure. Meaning that this is the one where the sifting takes place. And we now know where everybody stands. See, I, I think the great challenge of this era, see, I don't think we're biblically illiterate. I think we're, we're willfully ignorant. I think that this is a post-Christian culture. I think it's a doomed culture. I think the stuff that, that we allow to go on with our children, beyond even abortion, mutilation, Sodom and Gomorrah, all that kind of stuff, that, that happens in, in dead cultures. I think we are completely and totally, I don't think there is any silent majority. I think that it's revival or bust or we're doomed. Hmm. And, and I think that we are fully in a post-Christian West 
now a fully post-Christian America. And I think that what you're going to see is eventually the godless right will turn on us even more than the godless left. Why? Because the godless right will expect us to say that your sins are, quote, less serious or less severe because of this greater demonic threat that we face over here. And the, and the challenge for us will be, you know, the Lord did not look at the Pharisees and say, you know what, since Ezra, you guys kept the law. You kept the word, you kept tradition, and you're not perfect by any stretch, but you're certainly better than those Sadducees that just gave up on the resurrection and the judgment altogether. He didn't do that, did he? No. No, he, when he, he called the Pharisees that, re, that rejected him, he called them into account. He did not do that. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah did not say, yes, you know what? You, you're, not, you're not worshiping Jehovah the way that he commands, but you're clearly at least worshiping Jehovah and Nebuchadnezzar is not. So God will give you the victory over Nebuchadnezzar. Is that, was that Jeremiah's message? Absolutely not. No, Jeremiah's message was God's wearing a, daddy's wearing a belt and the buckle reads, is made, the name on the buckle is Nebuchadnezzar. And so he's going to take it off. He's going to spank you all real hard with it because you rejected him. And, you're, and it's not just about being better than the worst. It's about being, it's about being and, and, and seeking objective good. Mm. And I think the great, and I was texting this with someone who's a, become a dear friend, an elder, who was one of the formative people in the founding of the original Christian coalition but way back in the day before you and I. And, 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 and part of the conversation that he and I had about this back and forth last night, the great challenge moving forward will be, will we water down the word of God for political expediency and power? Or will we stay faithful to it and call sinners to repentance, regardless of what uniform they are wearing? And, and I would suspect many will fail this test. And that, the, and that if you are part of the remnant, you should prepare for this. Many of your pastors will fail. Many of your family members will fail. And that we, we are, we are, we are going to be just dueling idolatries now. Um, we're, we're, we're the French Revolution on the right. And we're the Bolshevik revolution on the left. But understand, at the end of each one of those revolutions, Bob, the church ends up persecuted and executed at the end of both of them just the same. I think that's actually where we're going. I think you're exactly right. Mary, I, you said it exceptionally well. I really can't even build on it. But what, what I said in a single thread uh, last night, I said one good thing about Trump is he's been really good at exposing a lot. Yes. He, he exposed the party. He exposed uh, the DOJ. He, he, he exposed. He kept exposing everybody. I said, now he's exposing us. us. Yeah. Now he's exposing us. Yeah. Because he's saying, listen, just because I said I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and you'll still vote for me. I can walk away from your issues. I can host the log cabin Republicans at Mar-a-Lago and wave the, the rainbow flag and you're still going to be with me. Now I can say, listen, I don't care about the life of the unborn. Matter of fact, that six week ban that Ron DeSantis signed, that was awful. It was cruel. It was unjust that he would that he would protect life at six weeks when we're saying life is should be protected at conception to natural death. He's basically saying, I'm calling all of you out. And guess what? 67% of you are still going to vote for me. I'm going to expose you. And Steve, that's why I think you're right. This is revival or bus. This is about getting true about God's word, being on bended knee in prayer, praying for the light to shine ever so vibrantly in the in a dark world. And hopefully that God would have mercy and rise up somebody that we would know that we know that we know not that he's our savior, but he's a person that can help bring uh, righteous and just government uh, in our time that's needed. You've done 
election canvassing, mobilization and organization in multiple states for how many cycles now? Well, I would say, well, since 2016, we've done that. All right. So 2016, 2018, 2020, you're on your, yep. f- and you're heading 2022 your- and now 2024. So four cycles. Yeah. Four complete cycles. You have done mobilization in multiple states. Yeah, we have. Tell me who is the voter. Can you find me the, in any of the states you, and, and which states did you do? Like Wyoming? <laughs> no. Oregon? No. It's basically Ohio, Minnesota, Wisconsin, New Hampshire, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Florida, Arizona, Kansas, Texas, Virginia, Georgia. Those are the, so the a states. lot of those are the are the must win states. They are must okay. win. Did states. you guys ever encounter the suburban female voter that said, you know, I previously hated Donald <laughs> Trump, I previously hated Mitt Romney, yeah. I previously hated John McCain, but they came up with this really nuanced position on abortion, Absolutely not. and now they're going to let me kill my kid up to fourteen weeks, or seventeen weeks, or twenty weeks, or seven weeks, or five days, or ten minutes, and I've just changed my opinion now. This voter doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. If you're voting on abortion, I keep t- this is what I said to the audience last segment. People, there's, there's issues people have opinions on, and then there are the issues that drive you to vote on that opinion. If you are, lots of people have varying moderated, you know, opinions on abortion. But if you're voting on that issue, it's because you either are a Planned Parenthood donor or user, or you want to put Planned Parenthood out of business or in a gulag. Those are the two kinds of people that vote on abortion. The idea, so this, forget the morality of it. Politically, this is stupid. And Just dumb. The other side also won't even accept it. There is no abortion restriction that you could come forward with that the other side will say all right we're good we'll just kill yeah. the kids after that you, point you asked romney or mccain look at mccain mccain put sarah palin on his ticket why to shore up the and the people are like you know what your nuance in this thing as well you nuance this deal you play let's make a deal on the very foundation of a life issue it is a losing strategy right away when i saw him do that interview meet the press i thought this is how you get beat in 2024 if he's the nominee we get crushed in 2024 because you can't even take a position on that because it's not the suburban mom who says, listen, I donate to Planned Parenthood. I had an abortion myself. I'm okay. My daughter gets an abortion. By the way, I forgot that you appointed three Supreme Court justices that overturned Roe v. Wade, and now you're willing to make a deal that both sides are happy. I'm in with you. Not, it does not exist. That voter does not Donald exist. Trump, to, Donald Trump in this next election, if he's the nominee, is either the guy that overturned Roe, all right, and is a hero, or the villain that overturned Roe. And there is no in-between. So I don't even understand the strategy that he is pursuing. I'll well, give you the well, last the, word well, I got well, about The difference in it, Stephen, I said this all the time. Donald Trump is a transactional leader. He's not a transformational leader. You do good by me, I do good by you. You you get me elected office, I'll do what you want me to do. That's a transactional leader. And sometimes transactional leaders can do transformational things. But a transformational leader actually believes it. And here's what you're saying is that I did the transaction, I made the deal, I gave you three Supreme Court justices, we overturned Roe v. Wade, but I don't believe it. That's what you're getting. And so I think what the American people are looking for on the life issue and a host of all of other issues when they look at choosing a president right now is do you believe what you believe to be really real and are you willing to be convicted and committed to act on it? And that's what he's missing right now. Good stuff, man. Thank you for having me. Choose well, twenty twenty four. Nothing's changed. I've done I've done this show a million times. Ecclesiastes. No, nothing. There's nothing's changed. We yep. just there's just new names, but nothing. It's all the exact same conversations all over again. But uh, Donald Trump has changed nothing in the political paradigm. The cake is all still being baked the same. The frosting is just zanier. We'll come back. It'll be time to ask me anything when we do. Stay tuned.
All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And the remnant of those of you who continue to remain. Although I'm I'm, I'm joking, because I actually did go back and check our iTunes rating last week. actually went up. <laughs> so, I don't know what that means. I don't know if everybody else was on vacation, so people are like, There's, this is all we got left. I don't, I don't but it's, I mean... As contentious as last week was, our rating actually went up. So, I don't know. We'll see. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can do so by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And you can also find me over on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. And for those of you that listen via the podcast, thank you so much for last week's uh, rankings boost. And please, if you've yet to do this, leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow if you're on iTunes so that uh, every new episode shows up immediately in your feed upon publication. And thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate that. And we appreciate our friends over at Relief Factor as well because they are the drug-free solution at least they hope they are, to your problem of inflammation or joint pain, muscle pain, the the lingering soreness, stiffness, achiness that you just can't get rid of. You know, as we get older, we can get stronger still, we can lose weight, but our joints don't get any younger, okay? And so this is where Relief Factor comes in because if you can find a drug-free solution, you should always try to take advantage of that. Now, there always isn't one. You know, I mean, let's not go so far the other way. Obviously... You know, right now, us and Big Pharma, our relationship is uh, complicated. Is that fair? But let's also recognize that there have been some tremendous medical accomplishments, modern medical marvels in the last century. One of the reasons why humans are living longer and stronger than they have in eons. Nevertheless, if you can do it drug-free, do so. Because that avoids taxing and trade-offs with other parts of your body and organs and systems. But there may not always be that solution. We're 70% sure Relief Factor is that solution, that drug-free solution for you. Why 70%? Because about 70% of the time, people who try the three-week quick start end up sticking around because of the results they see in three weeks or less. So give it a shot. What do you have to lose for 20 bucks to see if you don't see a difference in your pain in just three weeks or less when you go to relieffactor.com? That's relieffactor.com, or you can call them at 800-4-RELIEF. And with that, it is time to get to some Ask Me Anything. Thank you to all of you on Facebook who submitted questions. Todd, you have determined which questions we will answer. Aaron, you have those questions. Of course, I've not seen any of them in advance, so I look forward to being blindsided beginning right now. We begin with Matt Tashidor, who says this. What are your thoughts on Coach Prime and what they've done so far with the Colorado football program? I love his leadership and coaching style. He's an in-your-face, go-get-him, inspirational dynamo. So I've always kind of liked Deion Sanders back to when he was a player. Um, I, You know, I know faith has some major role in his life. I don't know a lot about his faith experience, but I've heard him give a Christian testimony and stuff in the past. I don't even necessarily have a problem with, if we're going to be a multi-million dollar enterprise here, and I don't have a problem saying, hey, you guys weren't that good, and we're going to bring in players that are better. I mean, that's what a coach does every recruiting cycle. Now, he accelerated that process all in, like, six months. 
so I think it's a great story. I will tell you though the the racial aspect of this. I'm just I'm just done with it already. I mean, didn't he even he say a couple weeks ago people aren't used to seeing this kind of success from a black right. man? I mean, you're right. We're just you're right, Dion. I mean, a guy who got drafted in 1989. All right, and I remember that draft well, very well. Because the first few picks in that draft, that was one hell of a draft. Troy Aikman was the number one pick. You guys had the number two pick and did us a solid. You took Uh-oh. Tony Mandarich. That left us with um, Barry Sanders. And the next two picks, I can't remember the order, were Deion Sanders and Derek Thomas. Hall of Famer, uh, steroid freak, who flunked out of the NFL when they started testing for steroids. Hall of Famer. Flunky, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. And just like like any Halls of Famer, but some of the greatest players to ever play these positions um, were those, was, was at the top of that draft. So Deion Sanders gets drafted in 1989. I mean, if you want to say in 1989, okay, one generation, not even one generation removed from MLK's March on Washington, okay. It's 2023, dude. Okay, we're very accustomed to successful black people. I'm just tired of it. I'm, I'm, I, I'm just, and he, I don't want one statement to just completely turn me off because, you know, I got to see him in person when he played for the Yankees and, you know, watch him up close and personal, take batting practice, and he was good with the fans. You know, for all the bravado, you don't have a long list of people that come forward to say, Deion Sanders treated me terribly. You don't have a lot of that, you know. That being said, though, the racial aspect of this, what, what happened this past week where the Colorado fo- state football coach, Jay Norvell, I believe is black, right? Yes. I mean, he might as well been a Klan's member last week. I mean, he just uh, apparently wasn't black enough or something. I, I just... That whole shtick, I'm, I'm beyond tired of it. I've had enough of it. And I just find it profoundly unbiblical and un-American. So I would have a much more enthusiastic response than I do right now, if not for that angle to it. That's my answer. Next, we go to Bill WMS. I have noticed a demonstrable change in the demeanor of Hannity in the clips with DeSantis. Will he turn on him like he did with Ted Cruz, or is this a different time? So I'll tell you just straight up, we had a policy at, by the end of the Cruz campaign not to even put him on with Hannity. It was so biased uh, for Trump. I mean, just, I mean, it was just a, a Trump super PAC at that point. I've had other DeSantis people ask me this. I don't watch Hannity, so I, I can't answer it, you know? If you guys are telling me that uh, he has been fair to Ron, I will take your word for it. It's been it, more than fair. Has it's it been, been more than fair? Blowing. It's okay. Kind of got my spidey senses tingling. A little All right, bit. No, that's I don't watch Hannity, so that's that's news to me. So neither do I. I just see the clips. Okay, I like how you were like yeah, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> don't put I was, words. Don't put words in my mouth. I wasn't trying to put that that uh, that juju on you, Ricky Bobby. Okay, just making sure. All right, I'm just saying. I just for me, I don't watch Hannity. Don't pay much attention to anything he does. So that's news to me. I don't know. Constance Boyd. What is the next best move for DeSantis? Which policy that he's enacted for Florida is his winning issue? I don't think there is a next move for Ron DeSantis. And the more that I examine this, are there things that could have been done better? There's always things that could be done better in a campaign. There's always things that could be done differently. 
But I have actually, now that we're here, we're, with, with the lawfare temporarily in the rearview mirror, we are actually now having the primary I was always hoping we were going to have. And in the primary that a lot of people didn't want, that's why they didn't want DeSantis to run. There, there are two reasons why most of the people on the right who told you they didn't want DeSantis to run, let me tell you, this, this is, most of them would fall into one of these two camps or a little bit of both. Number one, the idea that, hey, we can keep this kind of grift PR machine going a lot longer. You're 45, you know, let Trump play himself out into retirement. You just step in and all the grifting we're doing for Trump now will do for you if you just wait your turn. When they say he was disloyal, that's what they mean. What they mean was he didn't wait his turn to accept our gratuity. But instead, um, he stepped in in front of our plan. So he's got to go. That's what they mean. But the second reason is this was going to put a lot of people on the record. And and right now, for much of the right and for much of conservative media, there's a great unknown. How much of our audiences really are willing to tolerate truth? And then how much of those audiences are primarily um, about Trump promotion? So... Let's let's do this right now off the top of my head. You guys okay with what I'm about to do? You don't know what I'm about to do. All right. I'm going to look right now at the latest iTunes ratings for pot for news and political podcasts. We do this in real time. All right. And iTunes represents about 65 percent of the podcast market, although with Stitcher going away that maybe that's even more now. I, I don't know. All right. So I'm just going to go in order. These are the top conservative podcasts, okay? And we're going to I'm going to give you the name of the podcast, all right? All right, and tell me if this how far down should we go? Top say 20? Are we like 21 or something like that? <laughs> it's like I don't know, it depends on where we're right. Yeah. Well, at least we're keeping it real. Yeah. If we're 17th, we're going to the top 17. If we're 23, we're going to the top 23. I like it. All right. I don't know. We were 19th last time okay. I checked. All right. Well, let's just do top 20. Okay. And, and ask yourself this question. Would it have been possible for this person to have a top 20 podcast before Trump, given their profile? Of who they were. Got it. Or maybe let's let's make it more specific. Because all of our profiles, Trump grew all of our profiles. Our profile grew. Interest in all of us grew. Let's put it this way. Um, is, is, your, is that person's successful profile directly tied to them being tied to Trump? Let's put it more, more than any other factor. More yeah. than any other factor. Yeah. Is that a better way of putting it? All right. Yeah. Number one show right now, as of 111 Eastern time on podcast, number one righty show. Ben Shapiro. No. Megyn Kelly. No. The Morning Wire. That's the Daily Wire's like morning news update show. Like our mm. Megan, our friend Megan Basham is on that. No. Okay. Dan Bongino. Yes. Yes. You think so? Okay. I would say no, but okay. Matt Walsh. No. no. Okay. Uh, Glenn Beck. No. No. Candace Owens. Yes. Okay. Charlie Kirk. Yes. Yes. All right. So that's how many now we're at... Uh, that's three. Uh, that's the, I should count here. One, two, three, four, yeah. uh, five, 
uh, six, seven. Kirk is eight. All right, number nine, Ted Cruz. No. Okay. Number 10, Steve Bannon. Yes. yes. All right, so according to you, you guys think four of the top 10 podcasts that right now, according to iTunes, are, are primarily... The biggest factor. The biggest factor is their association with Donald Trump. Yes. All right. Uh, number 11, Victor Davis Hanson. No. Okay. Uh, number 12, Mark Levin. No. 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 Um, number 13, Michael Knowles. No. no. Okay. Uh, 14, Dave Rubin. No. No. Okay. 15, Bill O'Reilly. No. No. 16, Clay and Buck. Mm, no. Well, yes. For Clay, maybe. Yeah, Clay Trev. Although, although Clay has, when he's, when, has been critical of Trump at times when he, doesn't, when he thinks Trump has gone yeah, too far in some things. A yes for all these guys is not the exact same yes, right. even though it's the biggest Like Candace that, Owens' yes is maybe not the same as Dan Bongino's see, that's why, yes. That's why. Yeah. Like maybe you, could, maybe you could say, the, uh, maybe what you're saying with Bongino is the work he did on Russian collusion yeah. took him from an R-level show to a top five show, yeah. okay? As opposed to no one knew what a Candace Owens even was until mm-hmm. Donald Trump came along. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. All right. 16, I think is the number we're on. Andrew Claven. No. All right. Um, let me keep scrolling here. 17, Ali Stuckey. No. 18, Steven Crowder. No. Okay. And 19 is us. No. All right. 20, Jason Whitlock. No. no. Yeah, because he was already maybe in the political sphere. That's true. But we're talking about one of the most decorated sports media figures in the history of sports media before he even got into politics. So, okay, so you guys, I think we got five, five out of the top 20 shows. But but four of those were in the top 10. Yes. See what I'm saying? Yes. So the, the verdict is mixed. We see when I say we don't know, we don't know. There are several top shows that. Ex- that their 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 existence is directly tied to Donald Trump, but for most of the top shows, that's not the case. So that's kind of a mixed verdict, right? You know, I mean, if you're running a network, would you rather have four of the top ten shows or six of the top twenty-five shows? I don't know. I don't. I'm not running a network. I don't know everybody's numbers. I don't know what everybody mm-hmm. else sells. But those are the kinds of things that go into questions like this. You know. And and so that makes them harder to answer is is can you can you build a very successful high level show or maintain a successful high level show by having a non Trumpian brand? And overall, the answer based on what we just went through is yes. On the other hand. Is, is that also a clear path to success at the same time? And the answer to that question is yes. Then it really just comes down to the amount of grief you're willing to put up with. Like, I don't care. Like, there, there is no amount of mentions. There's, there's no amount of feedback. But I'm not, you know, I'm different, you know, than a lot of people. I had to, I hid out in a basement, like, you know, the lead singer of Mercy Me in the I Can Only Imagine movie. I, I did that, you know, to hide from my old man. So I learned to get by on my own. I learned to not need a lot of uh, attaboys from people, you know? So a lot of people are nicer than me and need that kind of stuff. So and that, that's the other part. The idea that, well, yeah, if... if pro I'm, tip, they don't need that because they're nice, Steve. They need it for other reasons. <laughs> well, 
Okay. Next question. Michael Hudson says, how did American Christians allow patriotism to become a fruit of the spirit? I love my country and I desire to see every citizen come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the Bible is plain. We'll have troubles in a cursed and fallen world. Yet somehow we've turned being patriotic into being a U.S. Christian. Because we are idolaters and either we're worshiping the God of the Bible or we're an idolater and there is no in between. Okay. First commandment, I am God. Second commandment, don't worship or make other gods. Or don't, you know, um, turn me into an idol. I am set apart from you. I am holy, God says. So those are the only two options. Those are the first two commandments. Therefore, those are the only two options. You're, you're, and if, if in the Old Testament, there's Jews and Gentiles. And in the New Testament, there's sinners and saints. And there is no third option. So like there's this uh, Trumpian uh, publication, the National Pulse, having a cow this morning that I, I, I said uh, recently that there are founding fathers in hell. And so how did I respond to them? I, I'll respond to them the same way I would media matters because they're the same thing. They're just both idolaters. It's, no, they're different idolatries. Fair. Mm-hmm. One idolatry, when divorced from its idolatry, might take positions on issues that we would agree with more, right? But... But because it demands that those issues be seen through the prism of its own idolatry, it doesn't grant us that luxury, does it? No. No. So... I mean, this is not even like a nuanced position. Thomas Paine, who wrote Common Sense, who is a a must-read for any patriot, by one of the founding fathers, he was called a, quote, filthy little atheist. Yes. There There is no accomplishment, and you need to know this on the authority of God's word. Now, maybe God's word isn't God's word. Maybe there's another God's word out there, and maybe the the Bible that I'm citing is wrong. Okay. But according to the authority of the Bible, which I believe is God's word, you will spend eternity in hell if you do not repent of your sins to Christ. Why? Because he's God, and because he atoned for your sins, and his atonement alone is all that saves you from your sins. And there is no accomplishment. There is no resume. Even even creating a great and exceptional country will not cause you to escape hell for your sins. Period. Patriotism is not a fruit of the spirit. And in fact, it's you become a patriot and love the things of this country by following the fruits of the spirit. Not by including idols in them. So, again, this will come down again to what I said earlier. The great sifting that happened before is America needed to see how demonic the left has become. And it did. And in this last election, how did it respond? Huh, meh. Meh. Shrugged its shoulders. Which is why you saw my broken performance on Blaze TV last election night. Okay? Now, here will be the new sifting now. Is now we need to see whom the idolaters are in our own midst. And it will be a very painful process. It is always better to watch someone else's sanctification. It is always better to, to, to observe someone else's testing and trying and sifting. It's never fun to have this happen to you and to your side and to your team. But, you know, God's ways are not our ways. I believe the word require, or calls itself a double-edged sword, which means, yes, it's going to penetrate the bones and the marrow. It is going to prick both the demonic left and the idolatrous right. And we're watching that take place right now at a very meta-spiritual level. We are not morally superior. We are sinners. Our God is superior. 
But when we forget that, we're just another group of sinners and idolaters. And so there's no difference between the national pulse or media matters. They both demand that you deny the word of God in order to line up with their agendas. No difference. One may do more credible work in some areas that we might agree with, but they won't let you just accept that work despite your disagreement. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They will demand that in order to admire our work, because they have done some good investigative work at the national polls. We've even cited it before. But they will require me to deny God's word to align with their work. I won't do that. That, when I say there's no, I'm, I'm not in it for Christless conservatism, that's what I mean. It doesn't mean everybody has to be a Christian. It does mean you can't demand that I can't be one in order to be aligned with you. And if you force me to deny my Lord, that is what you are asking of me. If you force me to deny a syllable of my Lord's word, that is what you are asking of me. And the answer is no. And therefore, there's no difference between the National Pulse and Media Matters. They're both asking me to deny the Word of God. One just wants me to do it more blatantly than the other, but it's a denial of the Word of God. Nevertheless, they're not the Ten Degrees. They're not the Ten Comparisons. They are the Ten Commandments. It does not say, listen, if you are for lower top marginal tax rates, go ahead and kill. Does it say that? No. does not say that. They're not the 10 degrees. They're not the 10 comparisons. They're not the 10 subjectives. They're the 10 commandments. Next question. This is an interesting one from Barbara, Barbara Ketchum. In my mind, this question seems unanswerable, but I'll, I'll give it a try. If you became mayor of San Francisco or any other large city with the homeless lining the streets as they are, what would you do to clean up the streets and city sidewalks while helping the homeless? Is it possible at all? I would uphold the law. I don't have another answer. You don't, you don't have a right to other people. You don't. You don't have a right to other people. What do we call people who think they have a right to other people's property? Thieves. Yeah. So I would uphold the law. All right. Next, we go to Tiny Johnny. What sin do you think gets overlooked the most in our modern evangelical churches? Idolatry. Idolatry. Answer this question. Idolatry. I mean, it's wrecked the Southern Baptist Convention. This was our most important and and predominant denomination of this last era. It's wrecked at them. It's in it's in a state of utter and total wreckage. Two idolaters. One group, Trump idolaters, even paying for access within the denomination to have access to Trump and boomer megachurch pastor fanboys who Donald Trump could literally kill someone on Fifth Avenue and they'll go to front of their congregations and say, this is, this is God's son and whom he is well pleased. And then there is the woke group, the Beth Moore group, just completely destroying uh, and taking a shredder to orthodoxy in response. It, it just idolatry is killing us killing us as a country it's killing us in our churches and it, and it takes all forms idolatry of our method that you need my cute whimsy method to have a good church that's idolatry don't need it there's no methods what what what, what 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 book of do you guys know the book of methods in the bible is there a book of church methods what, what what's the uh, what's the book we all go to for the method of holding church that it has to look like this these have to be the songs that are sung the book of method. Do we have a book of method? Are you aware of one? Is that is that something in you guys' tradition over there that I missed? Do you guys have a book of method? It is not. No? Okay. 
So that, so there's the word. And the method really is irrelevant. Um, but that's all we care about. That's idolatry too. Idolatry is killing us. Next, we go to Jennifer Williams. What do you say to Republicans who believe in ballot harvesting and vote harder strategies? It feels like the socialism argument of we will do it better because we're good people mentality. Well, I, I do think ballot harvesting is not the same thing as, you know, we'll do it better. You're basically making it easier for your people to vote. Now, I will say today's probably not the best day with the polls front runner saying being pro-life is terrible. Today's probably not the best day to go to a lot of churches and say, hey, we want to ballot harvest your people. Fair? Fair. Might be not the best day. Might want to pick another day. But I have no problem with it at all. None. If those are the rules, those are the rules. I mean, I don't know why I have to abide by rules that the other side's not abiding to. Election law is not holy writ. So if these are the rules, then fine. Similar to if, 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 if one team decides that five yards gets me a first down, why do I continue to try to gain 10 yards for a first down? Is that holy writ? Is there a book of first downs? Is there a book of election laws in the Bible? No, then who gives a rip? Win. Steve Donald has this with Klaus Schwab having now aligned the World Economic Forum and the United Nations to fully commit to accomplishing the 2030 agenda within the next seven years are all elements of a biblical prophecy now ready for the end times to begin before the generation passes away that witnessed the fig tree budding in 1948 as Israel became a nation once again. I, I will say I don't know. But as best as I understand that, that strain of, of eschatology, this is the most likely the world has ever been to pull off such a chain of events. And if you go back to COVID and you just see how instantly virtually the entire planet gave itself over to one singular narrative without a shot fired, a treaty signed or ratified, a threat made. The nations of the earth just blurred their borders, beat their swords into plowshares, and dutifully complied with one spirit of the age narrative. That's another, that's another piece of evidence that if indeed, oh, I don't know. I don't know, if that, that, I don't know if that eschatology is the utmost orthodoxy or not. But what I know of that eschatology, the, we'd have more, in a, more planetary alignment, so to speak, to pull that chain of events off now than ever before. Next is Robert Travis. I recently discovered your show about a month and a half ago and have been listening to old episodes while waiting for the daily podcast. The podcast from the hospital was especially powerful for me as I began my walk with Christ fairly recently. How does one discern that still small voice from your own internal dialogue? Excellent question. Here's the best answer I could give. If your internal dialogue is in alignment with God's word. God has bound himself to his word. That's his covenant. He keeps, creates and keeps covenants. We can't make covenants with him. We can't keep them. We're sinners. He does it. So God binds himself to his word. If that internal dialogue you are hearing is in alignment with God's word, I believe more times than not, that is God speaking to you. Because on our own as sinners, we don't want to align with God's word. Every now and then, because we're not totally, we're, we're not utterly depraved, but totally depraved. Every now and then we will come up with something altruistic or charitable and those kinds of things on our own, right? 
Mm-hmm. But on a consistent basis, do we do we follow that narrow road on our own on a consistent basis? No. No. And so to stay on that narrow road on a consistent basis, I think requires listening to that still small voice. And now here's the thing, man. The enemy is one hell of an impressionist. The best that the best that's ever been. So that's why I made the caveat in alignment with God's word, in alignment with that. And even if it's not, can you go wrong by acting in alignment with God's word? No. Never. So either way, in that case, you've got nothing to lose. Last one quickly from Elliot Evans. What are your thoughts on the failed Ken Paxton impeachment? It seems like all the worst people on both sides of the aisle joined forces to try to take him out. Agreed. And so they didn't. So that's encouraging. I I think what I want to see from Ken Paxton now, let it all hang out. They came at you. You beat them. Now, man, I mean, I want to see, I mean, I want to see the AG equivalent of a Sherman march to Atlanta. That's what I want to see. They took their shot. They failed. So make Texas great again. That's right. I mean, at this point in time, man, now it's, now we're just, we are just loving the smell of napalm in the morning. That's what I want to see from that dude now. All right, we'll come back and we'll discuss the state of the race with Jason Johnson from the DeSantis campaign in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Don't be limited by restrictive networks when it comes to choosing the healthcare providers and treatments that are right for you. There's another way. Samaritan Ministries connects hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation who help pay one another's bills, all without the use of insurance. Consider that when a medical emergency arises, you don't have to check and see what hospital is in your network or be concerned about the emergency room doctor being in network too. Nope, you can just go to the hospital you choose. Don't give a second thought as to what's in network and what's not, because with Samaritan Ministries, you're in control of your health care. After receiving it, send your medical bills to Samaritan Ministries, and they'll notify fellow members to pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay those bills. And when another member has a medical need, you'll do the same for them. That's what biblical healthcare sharing looks like. So check it out today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace. Well, a good friend of mine, Jason Johnson, is also one of the top advisors on the DeSantis for President campaign. Jason, it's good to have you here on with here with us on the Blaze Brother. How are you? Doing great. How are you, Steve? I know this is gonna sound weird, Jay, but I am in a great mood. I mean, truly. <laughs> I mean, I am. But, but, but here, I'm all ears. Here, here's, here's why. You know me. Ultimately, I'm a truth guy. I just need to know what's true. And yep. I'm okay if the, true, the truth is not what, what I want to be true because I, I need the truth more than I need anything else. And, that. and what's gone on in this primary with all this lawfare and, and attempted weaponization and persecution of Trump is, is we have been denied the true vetting of issues where we have these twin colossuses in former President Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis. The guy, one guy was on the biggest platform in the world. The other guy is still on probably the second largest governing platform in the country other than president when you consider the size of Florida and that it's, you know, a, yep. it's the biggest truly swing state. And, and, and at this time, more than anything, we truly needed to see which one of these individuals understands what time it is 
and, 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 and what to do about it. And we've been denied that. And I, I, because of all the lawfare stuff, and I kind of feel the last couple of weeks now, we're getting it. And I, and, and I knew it was going to be a painful process, but I, 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 I knew it would reveal some things. And I want to start there and get your take on it, because we're finally talking about issues now. Absolutely. I mean, just as you laid it out, Steve, I mean, first of all, for those of us who pay attention to politics, either for a living or because we're that passionate and we know what time it is, but we're doing it year round all the time. We know that is not normal, right? It is not normal. It's not normal in a normal cycle. This certainly isn't a normal cycle when you look at everything that is at stake. But we started out this summer when you know the, the governor announced his candidacy and there was some expectation, I think, from folks who do nothing but follow politics that the race would just take off and go. And no, people were tuned out through the summer trying to enjoy their families, trying to find a way to deal with the, the insane increase in, in cost across the board from Bidenomics. And then, of course, school started, Labor Day. We have a debate. Now we have another debate next week. We have the former president finally sitting down for a couple of interviews where he's actually asked some questions uh, on, on issues people care about, and he starts to reveal his positions. And yes, now things will start to, to take shape as we march forward through the fall into the winter uh, into your great state of Iowa. So we're excited. Uh, and as you said a moment ago, we just need the truth. We need as many folks dialed in as soon as possible uh, so that we can have an honest evaluation uh, of the first term uh, of Donald Trump. And then more importantly, where we go for, from here as a country. So we're looking forward to next Wednesday's debate at the Reagan Library, uh, and we're looking forward to additional ones. You and I are a few of the people that could uniquely compare notes to what it was like to be in, in primary opposition to Donald Trump in 2016 and what it is like now. And, and I, I had uh, Jonathan Swan, I think he's the New York Times, right? He contacted me yesterday after church about, mm -hmm. about Trump's abortion comments. And one of the things I said to him, and I, I saw that it made it into the paper, and I guess I, I saw that CNN is talking about my comments now. One of the things that made it very difficult for us on the Cruz campaign is neither one of our candidates here, Trump or Cruz, had political executive experience. So everything was projection, right? right? And, and once Trump got to our right on the immigration issue, that kind of, it was then kind of assumed by our base he was to the right of everybody on every issue. And so he had yep. permission to just blow people up from the right. Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, Marco Rubio, eventually us. And it was very hard, yep. even for somebody as right-wing as Senator Cruz, at, at that, in that was considered to be at that, that race. To, it's hard to put up with being attacked from the right. I know I've done it my whole career, which is why a lot of Republicans can't stand me. All right. Which changed, <laughs> which, which changed now is now he's only attacking his opponents from the left. Right. He went from the guy saying, no, 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 I'm not just going to appoint justices that are, we will be strict constructionists. I'm going to stand right in front of Hillary Clinton and tell 100 million people I'm going to appoint justices that overturn Roe versus Wade. And now in 2024, I'm going to act like I regret that we overturned Roe versus Wade. I think if, if I could signal out one thing politically alone without any doing form of Trump psychosis that is different about 
Trump 2024 to Trump 2016. It is that Trump 2016 only attacked from the right. Trump 2024 only attacks from the left. You nailed it, my friend. Uh, There's one other thing I would add to that. And that is, you know, Trump 2016 was genuinely an outsider. Uh, he was genuinely a candidate uh, seeking the, the nomination that uh, everyone, I think, including himself and, and his campaign apparatus, considered a long shot. So he got out there. He dominated the, the narrative every single day. He was on the ground. He was having his rallies. And, you know, one way to put it would be he went out there and earned votes versus fast forward to today and essentially they have adopted the the joe biden 2020 general election strategy for the most part which is just kind of stay out of sight out of mind and tell everybody that you're inevitable and that the race is over right and that so that's another really key difference as you put it attacking from the right his comments this weekend you know, about, you know, the state of Georgia, the state of Florida, the state of Ohio uh, passing heartbeat bills and how that was, quote, a terrible thing. Uh, it, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. Uh, his inability or unwillingness just to answer the question very directly about whether a man can become a woman was yet another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, 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 this weekend really made me wonder if perhaps it is a very uh, purposeful strategy just keep him out of sight and out of mind, because I, I, I don't know the Republican primary electorate that would be excited about the message they heard uh, from Donald Trump this weekend. I want to give you a chance to respond to something I've heard a ton, and I can't mm-hmm. tell if it's if it's a if it's a lament, a legitimate lament or an excuse. OK, I love Ron DeSantis. I wish he had a better campaign. I've heard that a ton. Now mm-hmm. you can you can Monday morning quarterback any campaign forever. There, politics is not a game of perfect. These are clumsy, difficult, hard pro, uh, uh, processes. I don't know that if that if 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 we brought back a resurrected Ronald Reagan to help Ron DeSantis with communication, guided by a resurrected Michael Deaver to perfect messaging and presentation that you could have possibly broken through the amount of media devoted to the lawfare against Trump the last few months. But am I wrong? And is that an excuse? How would you respond to that? Well, I would respond, first of all, to say that, you know, I'm notorious for rarely being happy with how any campaign goes. And that's the ones that I've won and the ones I've been on that I've lost. But Having said that, this, this is an environment unlike anything we have ever seen. And as you know, presidential primaries are uniquely uh, shaped. The environment, if, if you think about it as swimming, the water, pick any analogy you want. They are uniquely shaped and dominated by earned media coverage of the different candidates. And the way the left, the radical left, has used these prosecutions at key strategic moments in time to force the entire conversation to be about that one thing, the prosecution of Donald Trump, it has been very difficult. There's no question, I think, that that 
other campaigns would say the exact same thing. It's very difficult to break through and get enough oxygen. Uh, and when you get that oxygen for a long a, a long enough period of time to be able to start to establish a narrative that that then changes that overall narrative being pushed from the top down. It's just very difficult. But having said that, it becomes easier every day. You and I have talked about this before, Steve. I mean, Iowa is so unique for so many reasons, and I always chuckle right before I get angry when you know there's always the stories after the presidential cycles about why is Iowa? Well, the reason Iowa is the first, the reason is because Iowans take it seriously. They actually vet the candidates, and not only that, and I'm talking to a guy who's an expert, and so you could explain it better than me. But then on that, as you put it, somewhere cold, you know, snowy or ice-filled night, you got to go, you've got to show up, you've got to be passionate and persuade your fellow citizens as to why Ron DeSantis is the most qualified, strongest leader to be the next commander in chief of the uh, of the United States of America. And that's a very different thing. And so with each day that we get closer to actual votes being cast, hmm. actual votes being cast, that's when it's real. And that's where, when people really start to tune in. And, and but it, it's frustrating when this is all we do is, is campaign. But the flip side is I get it. Like if, if I were out farming or if I were a teacher or I was working in an oil field, if I, if I were in a normal you know, occupation, I would ignore this stuff for as long as possible, right? Uh, it, because they're, they're, they're complicated issues that we're dealing with as a nature, as a, as a, as a country and, our, and as a culture. And, and so people kind of punt the football and put it off. But we're now into that zone where people start to pay attention uh, but we will continue to deal. I mean, it's no coincidence that they set the set the D.C. trial for the day before Super Tuesday. Mm -hmm. No, no coincidence at all. Ron DeSantis is the GOP. Last question I'll ask you is this one. Ron DeSantis is the GOP nominee if blank. Ron DeSantis is the GOP nominee if we continue to lay out, if he continues and the campaign supports him and laying out his vision to stop and reverse the decline of this country. Uh, Ron DeSantis is the nominee. When people start to really examine the records, when they look at his record of success in the state of Florida, and they step back and ask the question, with everything that is coming at us as a country, look at what's going on in Congress right now. Look at what's happening at the border. And when you ask the question, in a time of crisis, just like during COVID, in a time of crisis, that's when you learn who a leader really is. And we as a country, we as a party, have to think and be very sober about the challenges that we face in real time, but that are only getting worse with each day that Joe Biden is in office. And when you examine the entire history of Ron DeSantis, it's a pretty easy decision. So we just have to keep creating opportunities for him to deliver that message, to prove the strong leader that he is. That happens in debates, and it also happens 
in the state of Iowa. Uh, he remains committed to the full Grassley, all 99 counties. Uh, there's no one who has worked or will work harder to earn the votes of Iowans. Uh, and that's going to be a good night that's going to catapult us to really great things. Thank you for hopping on, JJ. Appreciate it. Take care, brother. Thank you, Steve. You bet. Bye. Before we get out of here today, a reminder, make sure you are taking care of your liver. I mean, after all, it only helps to govern about 500 key functions in your body every day. Is that a lot? Yes, it is. And as we get older, there's a lot of tread on those tires. It has helped us get through cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, stains, or statins, I should say, which can be a stain on your kidney, uh, cigarettes, and more. All right, get the solution. It's the Liver Health Formula, the all-natural supplement containing 12 clinically proven botanicals that help to recharge and protect your liver so you don't end up with a fatty liver. That can give you three and a half more times higher likelihood of heart failure than those without. Manufactured right here in the USA, approved by American doctors, you can try the Liver Health Formula and receive a free bottle of nano-powered omega-3s to keep your heart healthy if you go to getliverhealth.com Steve. That's GetLiverHelp.com slash Steve and claim your free bonus gift at GetLiverHelp.com slash Steve. Once again, GetLiverHelp.com slash Steve. All right, gentlemen, we've got about two minutes, so a minute for each of you to kind of wrap up today's show and your thoughts on it. Go ahead. Going back to the idolatry thing, I mean, this was out in full force. The moral subjectivism was out in full force last week with three different stories. One was that Democrat wannabe uh, Virginia State delegate uh, who uh, apparently likes to, in her free time, uh, make porn uh, live for money with her husband. Okay. Then there was the story about Lauren Boebert just acting despicably in a theater. And then there was the supposed story, alleged affair between Christy Noem and Corey Lewandowski. The same people trashing that Democrat, Democrat wannabe delegate, some of the same people, I should say, would then defend Boebert and Noam. And the people, the Democrat, the left, trashing uh, Noam and Boebert, would defend the porn-making wannabe Virginia State delegate. And you know what? They were all using the exact same arguments depending on which side of the political spectrum they were on. That is moral subjectivism in action. And wherever chaos and moral confusion and subjectivism reigns, the truth dies. We cannot allow ourselves to be given over to that. Amen. Yeah, and a lot of the same people uh, defending Bobert and saying she's uh, one of her own, at least she goes for things, we can't be tearing her down, are the same people who are criticizing uh, uh, DeSantis. Uh, we'd like a different campaign. I, you know I have no patience for that. I haven't. Going, what, back two months where I went on my rant about this, I think this has been nonsense from the beginning. We just resent basic competence now. We want too much show. It's a people problem. It's not a DeSantis problem. Again, like Steve said, it doesn't mean he's the perfect candidate because there's no perfect candidate. He's got to work through his strengths and weaknesses just like anybody else. But we are so damn lucky to have him. It's a you problem if you don't understand that. By the way, Lauren, to her credit apologized and said hey that was yeah. not good behavior so I, that's the thing she's actually come out publicly and kind of owned it yeah why there's a bunch of other people now acting like defending she owned it i <laughs> that's the thing i i just okay we're gonna stick around and do overtime for blaze tv subscribers for the rest of you we'll see you tomorrow noon to 2 eastern right after glenn beck right here on blaze tv until then john 317 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.